Friends, welcome to Leadosophy. You're here with an open mind because that is the rule, folks. That is not the exception. Today, we are going to discuss the perfect form of leadership. Is there such a thing? Plato would have wanted to know that answer. Actually, he would have known the answer to that. Plato, the ancient philosopher from Greece, from Athens, Greece. Plato would have asked you, what is the form of leadership? I'm going to talk about Plato's forms on this episode and how it translates or correlates into the world of leadership. It should be super exciting. Grateful that you're watching. I'm grateful if you're listening. Here we go. Are you ready to permanently fuse leadership and philosophy? Then a word of caution. You are about to enter the fully abstract yet wholly concrete realm of leadosophy. Our ideas are not always so clear and distinct. To validate this proposition, we welcome the host of Leadosophy, Tim Wood. Hi, friends. Welcome back to a discussion on the form of leadership, the form of the perfect leader. What is your concept of perfect leadership or of the perfect leader? Might there be such a thing or is this simply wishful thinking, we start with the idea, or if we start with the idea that a perfect leader exists somewhere out there in the world, somewhere out there in the world, what skills and abilities, traits and characteristics would make up this person's persona and lead to his or hers perfect performance on the stage of leadership? That's a couple questions we should ask if there is a idea or a concept of perfect leadership. The idea of perfection is ancient and can be found in Plato's philosophy broadly and in the world of epistemology more narrowly. Again, I've talked about it before, epistemology, the theory of knowledge. How do we know what we know? Knowledge claims. I talked about that on my last episode about epistemic humility. When do our knowledge claims extend beyond what we actually know? I want to read a section from a Philosophy Now article titled, Plato, A Theory of Forms. It's written by David McIntosh. And in this article, David McIntosh explains Plato's theory of forms or ideas. And this is about epistemology. This is about knowledge. This is about what we can know. How do we know we know what we know? Right? And I talk about this in the, in the context of leadership a lot because there is a lot of knowledge that goes into being a leader. We have our technical craft. We have our knowledge of relationship building, fostering relationships, nurturing those relationships. How much knowledge goes into relationships? And when can we stray beyond our knowledge bank and get into trouble when we try to foster relationships, nurture relationships, work, get teams to come together and work in, uh, in sync? So I want to go to this article. I'm just going to read a few paragraphs. I'm going to a little background of Plato. Plato was born somewhere. David McIntosh writes, Plato was born somewhere in 428, 427 BC, possibly in Athens, at a time when Athenian democracy was already well-developed. He belonged to a wealthy and aristocratic family. Plato's family were involved in Athenian politics. So it is likely, David writes, that Plato was no stranger to politics himself. He was also the founder of the Academy in Athens, which can be regarded as the Western world's first university. 
in its first school of philosophy. He died some sometime between 348, 347 BC. So now we get into the, the knowledge side of, of Plato. David writes, philosophically, Plato was influenced by a tradition of skepticism, including the skepticism of his teacher, Socrates, Socrates, if you want to call him Socrates, who was also the star of Plato's dialogues. What was obvious to many of the early Greek philosophers was that we live in a world which is not an easy source of true, in other words, eternal, unchanging knowledge. The world is constantly undergoing change. The seasons reflect change. Nothing is ever permanent. Buildings crumble, people, animals, and trees live and then die. Even the present is deceiving. Our senses of sight, touch, and taste can let us down from time to time. What looks to be water on the desert horizon is in fact a mirage. Or what I think of as sweet at one time may seem sour the next. Heraclitus, a pre-Socratic philosopher, claimed that we can never step into the same river twice. One of my favorite quotes. In his Socratic dialogues, Plato argues through Socrates that because the material world is changeable, it is also unreliable. But Plato also believed that this is not the whole story. Behind this unreliable world of appearances, remember that phrase, unreliable world of appearances. Behind this world is a world of permanence and reliability. Plato calls this more real, because it's permanent world, the world of forms or ideas. And so David asks the question, what is a platonic form or idea? Take, for example, a perfect triangle, as it might be described by a mathematician. This would be a description of the form or idea of a triangle. Plato says, such forms exist in an abstract state, but independent of minds in their own realm. Considering this idea of a perfect triangle, we might also be tempted to take pencil and paper and draw it. Our attempts will, of course, fall short. Plato would say that people's attempts to recreate the form will end up being a pale facts simile of the perfect idea, just as everything in this world is an imperfect representation of its perfect form. The idea or form of a triangle in the drawing we come up with is a way of comparing the perfect and the imperfect. How good our drawing is will depend on our ability to recognize the form of a triangle. Although no one has ever seen a perfect triangle, for Plato this is not a problem. If we can conceive the idea of a form, the idea or form of a perfect triangle in our mind, then the idea of a triangle must exist. The forms are not limited to geometry, David goes on to write. According to Plato, for any conceivable thing or property, there is a corresponding form, a perfect example of that thing or property. The list is almost inexhaustible. Tree, horse, house, mountain, man, woman, ship, cloud, dog, table, chair. All examples of putatively, independently existing, abstract, perfect ideas. Plato says that true and reliable knowledge rests only with those who can comprehend the true reality behind the world of everyday experience. And David's going to get in here real quick. This is the last paragraph I'll read. He's going to get into the philosopher king idea, which is uh, probably one of the first things or one of the beginning stages of when philosophy started getting a bad rap. I don't know, maybe not. So David continues, in order to perceive the world of the forms, individuals must undergo a difficult education. This is also true of Plato's philosopher kings, 
who are required to perceive the form of goodness or good in order to be well-informed rulers. We must be taught to recall this knowledge of the form since it is already present in a person's mind due to their soul apparently having been in the world of the forms before they were born. And I'm going to stop there. So I think that last couple sentences to say that someone could say what is the perfect idea of good. And there's only a few, few amount of people that can dictate what is the perfect idea of good. I think that's a probably dangerous idea. That's just my, my personal take. But some final thoughts. I just have two final thoughts on this idea of the form of leadership or the form of a leader, the perfect leader, our idea of the perfect leader. Is there such a thing? So each one of us can envision the perfect form of leadership and of a leader, even if this is a concept that does not exist in our reality. We can compare and contrast our leadership practices, my personal leadership practices, my skills, I can compare that to my idea of the perfect leader, even if that's just a theoretical or a a hypothetical or a thought experiment. So maybe if I did that, maybe if we did that through reflection, self-reflection, maybe we can identify something we want to improve upon. Or maybe we can identify a strength we have that we did not realize was a strength. So that's that idea is there really a perfect leader or perfect idea of perfect leadership in our minds that we can have that concept and i think that's what plato was arguing millennia ago we can have that idea right we can't reproduce it and practice in our world which is a world of appearances in our reality everything will always be imperfect but we can still have that idea i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing I think it, where it could go astray or where it could be bad is if we treat it as dogma, if we treat it as cult-like. If I have my idea of a perfect leader and I am so wedded to that idea that I am not open to other ideas. If we believe we have an idea, for example, if we believe we have the idea of the perfect form of, of a leadership style and we try to mold ourselves perfectly after that, even though it's imperfect, that could get us into trouble, especially when we need to adapt our leadership styles to the changing situations. So there's my thoughts, initial thoughts on that. My final thoughts are really some questions. What do leaders experience every day that they take for granted? What assumptions do we make as leaders that we take for permanent and unchanging truth? But in reality, our assumptions belong to the world or the unreliable world of appearances. What mirages in the desert will we see and act upon? Those are my final thoughts and questions for this episode of Leadosophy. Remember, Leadosophy is about using the tools of philosophical thought to deepen our understanding of leadership and of life. Thanks for watching. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for watching and listening to another episode of Leadosophy. If you liked what you heard today, hit that subscribe button. And check out Leadosophy.com and learn more about Tim's ideas on philosophy and leadership. We'll see you next time.